Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Offensive Zone Show. Joining me, as always, are my hockey heroes. I've got uh, JP. Hello, JP. Ian, how you doing? I'm ready to talk hockey, man. Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. We might have to skip over some of the Kraken stuff, but I'm, <laughs> I'm good other than that. Um, we've also got a special returning host. Uh, it's been a little while since we've been graced by his presence, uh, and that's Tyler. So great to have you back on the show, buddy. Uh, safe to say I can speak for JP, Max, and myself and say that we've missed you, uh, and it's uh, good to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be back. I'm ready to... I miss talking hockey, so let's get to it. There you go. There you go. And I'm joined by two people with successful teams, so that's that's always nice. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but there you go. Right, another week goes by in the NHL. Um, we've got a load to talk about again. Um, we're getting a little bit closer to Christmas as well, so even if your teams are doing crap, um, at least you're going to be... You know, you've got Christmas to think about. You've got Thanksgiving as well, obviously, if you're over in the US and you've got all that good stuff. So you've got good food, good times. Uh, so even if you haven't got a good hockey team, at least you've got that. Um, but teams and their form is now starting to take shape. So we're getting to that point in the season where we're starting to see teams for who they really are and none of these kind of weird runs. So, you know, Buffalo are now starting to look a little bit like Buffalo and, and other teams are starting to look a little bit like they should be. Obviously, Tampa, as you know too well, Tyler are, are starting to now look like the team we expected them um, to be. And so today's show, a little bit like we've done the last few weeks, we're going to be doing a deep dive into a specific team. Uh, and this week we have chosen none other than the Vancouver Canucks, uh, who it's safe to say find themselves in a little bit of bother so far this season. So we're going to cover all that in a bit. Um, but before we get to that, uh, we will, as always, cover our news. So, we're going to start with the, I say it's the biggest news story. I don't think it's particularly the biggest um, because it was groundbreaking, but more that it started an absolute mammoth rumor mill, um, similar to what we saw when Seattle was starting to be talked about. And we've kind of seen this one before come and go. But that, of course, uh, gentlemen, as I'm going to be coming to you guys in a second, was the news that the Quebec government are due to meet up with Gary the big B Batman, and I'm pretty sure that's what he goes by to his friends, um, to discuss the possibility, um, and possibility being a key word here, of a return of the Nordiques. Well, as you can imagine, Twitter uh, handled itself um, with dignity and <laughs> calm. And uh, oh, wait, no, it didn't. It went absolutely nuts. Yeah, and right. people were already buying the jerseys and were like, it's done. It's a done deal. We're going to be like, way. And you think, okay, so <laughs> I've got some thoughts. Shocker. But I'm going to go to you guys first. So, JB, like, what, what were your thoughts in terms of the news? How this could work? Is this going to be the 33rd team or is this something else? <sighs> I mean, my first instinct, and there may be, I may be missing something here, and I know like moving a team, selling a team, relocating a team, these are things that are difficult and take time. My thinking, though, is that, you know, the Quebec City 
smells blood in the water regarding the coyotes. I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, right, isn't yeah. that what everybody's thinking? I mean, look, the coyotes have no place to play next year. You know, mm-hmm. nobody will do business with them in Phoenix because they don't pay their bills and they're financially in rough shape. And mm. so I think, you know, I, and I also think these deals go on quietly and, you know, they would never announce something like this until all the contracts were signed and probably until the season's over. But I mean, what, are, you know, I've been wondering that ever since the news broke, what, a couple months back, like, what are the Coyotes going to do? They don't have a place to play. You have to have an arena or you can't have an NHL hockey team. And you, if you can't get an arena in your local market, like, what are they going to do? Now, I don't know, how could you possibly move a team, you know, relocate them? And, and I don't know what the logistics of that are. Like the Coyotes would have to agree to that in some way. Would they sell? Would the NHL force them to move? I don't know what all the rules are regarding that, but that's what that sounds like to me. That sounds like Quebec City saying, ah, there's a franchise that's hurting that may have to relocate. We're going to go ahead and throw our name into the hat. But um, yep, and it's got to be better than what's going on in Phoenix, right? I mean, like, <laughs> my gosh, I've spoken about the Coyotes before, but what a mess. But to me, it's, it seems like it's a little bit more for the publicity of it, maybe to s- see if they can garner some public support for it. Because obviously just announcing it publicly doesn't do anything. Like, why wouldn't you just have a meeting with Bettman first? So it feels a little bit like a, a little bit of a publicity thing, right? Like, let's announce this to see if we can sort of get some momentum going, get some good press. But they've obviously wanted a hockey team back since they lost the Nordiques way back when, right? So, um, but that's just, I'm spitballing there. I, you know, I know it's much more complicated than that. Uh, and I don't know how, you know, I don't know what happens if they can't find an arena. It's kind of unprecedented. Has a team ever it done is. that where it's like, we have no place to play? You know? No, I mean, there's been teams that have not owned an arena, so have then had to go and mm-hmm. kind of do a lease, play somewhere, somewhere else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's there's other things that Coyotes could do. Like there's an arena in Tucson where the Roadrunners play. You know, their AHL mm-hmm. team. Like I could see them having to do some wacky thing like that, where they go play. You know, in the other big city or something. But um, at that point, you're just it's a mess, and you're just putting a band aid on it. You know. Mm. So uh, not to make it about the Coyotes, but I do think that's about the Coyotes. I don't think they would have come out and said that if they didn't say, hey, here's an opportunity for us to get a team quickly and easily, you know, Mm -hmm. not easily, but a lot easier than trying to vie for an expansion team or something, you know? Yeah. And they've got the infrastructure there. So we know they've got the rink. We know they've got, um, and you know, the rink may need upgrades and all that kind of good stuff, but we know they've got the infrastructure there. And, And if if the government, you know, the Quebec government is willing to talk about it, there's obviously interest from their side. And like you said, the NHL, this might be the, I it's a quick fix, but it might be the quicker fix that, the, that they need. I mean, there's, there'll be so much stuff that have to sort out. The league could be lopsided for a start. You'd have a weird number of teams on the East because mm-hmm. you would presume that if, they, if Arizona moved to Quebec, that Quebec would be in the Eastern Conference Right. in the Western Conference. Yeah, they'd have I, to realign somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but I, yeah, I feel like it's a strategy almost like, look, this, this is an mm. easy solution. We could make this easy for the NHL. You know, I don't, it's complicated because it's a private business owned by, you know, the owner of the Coyotes, but I do know there are stipulations that the NHL can come in and take a degree of control if things get bad enough, which they have done before with the Coyotes. And they have done for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, They have taken yeah. over that team completely one time to find new ownership. So, you know, they may be 
reaching that point where the NHL is like, look, we're going to have to intervene here. You know, it may not even be, it may not even be that ownership has to sell, you know, they may, there may mm-hmm. be at some point where it's like, there's enough pressure that ownership, maybe the ownership's the same, but they have to move the team. I don't know. But that was the first thing that came to mind for me when I read the press. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is all yeah. about what's going on with the Coyotes, you know? Yeah. It sounds like it to me. I mean, Tyler, have you, you had a chance to, 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 to see the news and have you got any thoughts on, on where it may be? Um, yeah, I think JP nailed it. I think it's all about the Coyotes. Um, Mm. and I think announcing it was definitely to gain some sort of traction with the community, but, um, I think you guys nailed it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I just, I just, I love, I just love the way that Twitter handles things. Um, (laughs) it's just, there's, there's, there's always this, there's so many great people. And and this is where social media for me is this, this wonderful and awful kind of being (laughs) at the same time. It's like, um, like when you when when your child does something really naughty and you want to tell them off, but it's actually just hilarious what they've done. So you're trying to tell them off and keep a straight face at the same time because you actually think it's quite funny, but you, but it's wrong. Like that's what social media is for me. So like there's certain times where there's these really in depth, articulate, well constructed conversations, and then other times there is what happened when this was announced, which is just <laughs> just absolute pandemonium, you know, chaos. All, all obviously look all people positive and happy and all the rest of it but it's just you know like people already going out and buying season tickets so it's uh, <laughs> it quite it's quite funny um so that was that was that was the biggest piece of news we did have some other stuff so staying in canada uh the ottawa senators have finally got back to practicing um after having their season essentially suspended uh because they had 10 players out with covid which obviously is the worst outbreak that a team has seen uh, well, since since last year. So the good news um, is that the league, in my opinion, has handled it pretty well. I mean, obviously, they've had to postpone the games, which sucks, but they're still going to replay the games. And we're not going to, this. you know, Ottawa are going to play 82 games. And I think that's, compared where we are this year to where we were last year, I thought the league handled it spot on. Yeah, it's all, it's all you can that's all I can really do. Right. I mean, I, I hear some concern about what if this happens again, what if this happens with several teams, then we're going to be looking at a shortened season again. You know, people seem to be worried about that, but, um, but what can you right? There's already a precedent for how they handled this before. And you know, that's, that's the best thing you can do, right? You just, if it gets that bad, like shut it down for a minute, let everybody get healthy. And then yeah, started back up. Yeah, yeah. make up the games, yeah. right? And then you're, you're preventing it from becoming a mess all over the league. You know, you got guys out yeah. there playing on the ice with other teams. Next thing you know, another team has it, and they're all passing it around. Like it's the right way to it's the right way to deal with it. But uh, yeah, I, you sense frustration from people, right? The pandemic's been dragging on for so long. It's like, oh my gosh, again? Are we doing this again? But this is just the way of things, you know. But yeah, no, the NHL did this is exactly what you should do. I think. I mean, it's it's the right way to handle it, you know. Yeah, I completely agree. And the it's funny, and I don't know if this is the same in the US, so guys, feel free to tell me yes or no, or whether it changes probably based on state, actually. But in the UK, we've now started talking about lockdown measures. And you've got this really, I mean, it probably sums up society right now, actually. You've got this really polarized view of lockdowns. You've either got people who are just completely against any level of what they'll see to be interference and then you've got the other side, which are still completely scared to death about 
COVID. Um, and you know, whereas, I mean, obviously, I'm talking from a UK perspective when I say this, but we're about 80% vaccinated as a country. So, yeah, the, 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 the worst of it is past us. Obviously, it's awful for people that have to deal with the knock on effects of COVID. Of course, it is. But, um, you know, it's, I, we, we kind of always we kind of felt like we were past all of this. But things like what happened to the senators just remind you that it's, it's still there. Um, and because of duty of care for businesses, and obviously that's what the NHL is, they are probably going to take it more seriously than than you would do if it was yourself. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's that's how it is in the States too, I would say. I mean, Tyler can speak to what it's like in his neck of the woods, and you're right, state to state. It varies a little. You know, some states are a little mm-hmm. more, more on the conservative side. Some are a little more liberal, and, you know, you may find the split is a little different. But I do think it's, yeah, there's, there's people kind of feel there's on one or, you know, one side of that fence that you mentioned there, it's very similar. Our vaccination rates in the States are a little bit lower, I think, than, than in the UK on average. But, uh, but yeah, Tyler could probably speak to, to what it's like there. I'm sure it's very similar. Yeah, it's a, uh, Georgia was the first state to open up, um, like everything. Mm-hmm. So I think everyone here is honestly just sick of it. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Being from Florida as well, both the states have handled it pretty similarly. Not the best, I would say. Um, but yeah, I think the league has done a good job with Ottawa. And like you guys said, um, just uh, nail it down, uh, play the games, pause uh, what they need to do, and just kind of get everything back on track with them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and look, they're, they're back skating, so I, I don't think it'll be too many days now before they they get back to business. Um, it's messed around some people's fantasy hockey, no doubt. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> well, I'm sure we can all live with that. So the next piece of news, and I get to use one of my jingles, which I'm Hail talking about. the king, baby. <laughs> there you go. So <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> so uh, for people that maybe aren't uh, a sad... Uh, gamer who's been around for a few years you might not get that reference but that's actually from a, a, an old game called duke nukem yeah but there you go so sound um, like that old computerized yeah. kind of vocal yeah um, <laughs> just that, that right level of uh, of weirdness for this for this <laughs> podcast um but we were going to be talking about Derek king um hence the uh, jingle and chicago fans will be quite chuffed at the moment probably i haven't had any twitter feedback yet but i'm, I'm sure i will get some uh, reminding me of two things. Probably number one would be that I said they should reconsider where they're going, um, and they'll you know they've gone three and one since the king took over. Um, although I'm a bit of a skeptic, so I would still sit here and say it's a little early to say it's all fixed. But and, and they, they lost last night to Edmonton, but it's great for the fans, and, and that's what matters. They've, you know they've got a reason to go back to the United Centre with some hope, which is nice. Um, and secondly, obviously they beat the Kraken, so. I am still in my house. Just, just, for, just for, I've, I've, we've managed to stay civil throughout the. Uh, I thought about right, that and, during that game and, too. Yeah. So, uh, and my wife was very reserved. She didn't, she didn't celebrate too much when when the Hawks scored, and uh, and obviously they they won and truly beat us. Um, yeah, it was a that was a tough game to watch. <laughs> That's probably tougher than the Avalanche game just because of the circumstances. Oh yeah, absolutely. But thank you. Um, so. So I'm hoping that uh, Mr. King stays in charge of the Hawks going forward because then I get to use that jingle uh, for the foreseeable future, which would be great. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Right, so next piece of news then is around 
uh, Bednar, so staying with the Avalanche, who we just mentioned there. So he's got a two, a new two-year deal to remain as the head coach. Uh, they did play a game on Friday night, uh, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Um, but he is his sixth season in charge of Colorado. And I just, the reason why I wanted to put this in was twofold. One, I think it's great that he's got the two-year extension, um, and I think he's taken them in the right direction. But this is where I wanted to say hats off to the Avalanche management on this one, because people probably can't remember this. And this is what I love about sport is that people have really short-term memories. So when they're a good team, they forget when they were crap. And when they're a crap team, they forget when they were good. Um, But Colorado were dreadful. And when I say they were dreadful, I'm pretty certain that the season that they finished bottom of the NHL, they had the worst season on record, I think. And if they didn't, they had a pretty close to being the worst record. I mean, they, they truly stank that season. And Bednar was in charge at that point. Um, but they stuck with him. And look at them now. You know, they are they are who most of us would class as being a playoff certainty. Even after the start they've had this season, you know that they'll turn it around. So it just shows you that sometimes uh, patience is uh, is a virtue. <laughs> um, so, so, no segue there just yet uh, so we've got a couple of injuries and uh, people returning so Doughty, uh, Drew Doughty is back skating with the LA Kings he's been out with a knee injury for quite a few weeks um, hopefully not something that's going to be reoccurring for him uh, and then we had a couple of people that went down so Darnell Nurse is out for two to three weeks I have a feeling that's a fractured finger if I read it right and Comtois who's obviously with the Ducks uh, and the Ducks, who are killing it at the moment, uh, he's going to be out for six weeks, which is a big, big blow for them. Um, and last but no means least, unless I've missed anything off, and if I have, please, please tell me. But uh, we're talking about new venues, and we're talking about people moving to venues. Well, the Islanders moved to their new home, which is the UBS Arena. Um, they're yet to win there because they lost their first game. Um, I know how that feels, so don't worry about it, Islanders fans. There's always a second <laughs> chance. Um, but it's you know it it was great. The fans, yeah, the the whole opening of the arena looked fantastic. They did a really nice uh, kind of tribute, and they honoured their their late owner, you know, Charles Wang as well, which is which was fantastic. So I don't know if you guys saw any of that, but it was yeah, it's nice to see them home. It's a gorgeous arena too. Looking at the photos, that's 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 a beautiful, you know, that's a great thing. To, not that they have trouble bringing out fans, but it's a great thing to bring out fans too, like a new venue, right? New new facilities, restaurants, all the fun stuff that goes along with it. But yeah, it's gorgeous. So there you go. Um, okay, well, unless I've missed anything off, that is our news. So I want to talk about, before we get into Vancouver, and it won't be long, I promise, <laughs> I want to talk about the elephant in the room, right, guys, because uh, that's clearly not an elephant. It's, in fact, a giant sea creature called the Kraken, uh, disguised as an elephant currently <laughs> standing in the middle of our virtual podcast room as we do this. Um, and we talked about the Kraken last, ep- last episode, so I'm not going to go on about it but when we were saying about twitter i've seen a load of stuff on twitter over the last couple of days but weeks it's been building i've seen stuff on the facebook groups so i just wanted to make a couple of points 
um, for those both Seattle fans and non-Seattle fans uh, that around the situation they find themselves in. Just clarify some of the points that we made on the last podcast as well. And if you want to see a deep dive of the Seattle Kraken to date, you know, we covered a whole host of stats and all that sort of stuff on, on last week's episode. So, you know, if you are a Seattle fan, I'd recommend going back and checking it out. Uh, and that's the plug right there. But the short version, and there are going to be expletives here, and I can't be bothered to use the sensor button, so I will have to go and edit these out afterwards, okay? <laughs> but this league, right, this league is about being one of two things. It's about either being great or it's about being it is, it is that simple. You are one or you are the other. If you are not one or the other, and I've said this a million times, but it's because I strongly believe it, you are middling. And if you're middling, it, it it doesn't help anything. It doesn't get you closer to your goals. It doesn't help you win Stanley Cups. It doesn't build you a franchise. It doesn't build you a team. So I know people don't want to hear this, right? But it would be better for the Seattle Kraken this season to and I use the term loosely because nobody wants to see them lose the next you know, 60-odd games, but it's, it would be better for them to tank and get a third overall, second overall, first overall, who knows, the draft lottery is still very much a lottery, um, than middle out and get the 12th or 13th overall pick, or even worse, make the playoffs and get dumped out in the first round because that helps absolutely nothing. Okay, so there's two, two, and I'll let, me let you guys get in as well. But I've got to get this off my chest now, otherwise it's just going to be this exploding sound as, 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 as you know, as, as I obliterate myself into into nothingness. But everyone's been talking about Vegas and the amount of things I've seen about Vegas and oh, the, the expansion draft was wrong. Uh, Ron Francis picked the wrong people. If we'd have picked Tarasenko, we'd never be in this position. Um, I could go back and do a better job. Blah blah blah. All this, all these, you know. Um, armchair GMs, and as somebody who runs a podcast, people are going, that's that's rich coming from somebody who's on the podcast telling people about armchair GMs. Um, but I like to think we, we we have a reasonable amount of statistics behind, behind what we say. Um, but Vegas was a one-off, not just a one-off in the NHL. They were a one-off in sports history. So across all male professional sports, so MLB, NHL, NBA, NFL, MLS, any other three you know, lettered acronyms that I've missed off, all of those, no team has ever been an expansion team and gone to a final except the Vegas Golden Knights. Except the Vegas Golden Knights. So they are, they are I don't know, I mean, this with the greatest respect, JP, but they are freaks, right? They, they, are, they, are, they are the anomaly, right? They are, they are the, they're not the mean, like... The year that St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup, the most recently, like they they were last in December and then they won the Stanley Cup. That's never happened before. And you know the reason it's never happened before? Because it never happens, right? So whoever's bottom of the league in December this year, and you know, it'll be Arizona, let's be honest, right? There's nobody in that locker room saying, guys, we're on for a cup, boys. <laughs> we're on for a cup. Oh, you know. Just off your ring finger because it's happening. Right? There's nobody saying that because it never happens. And that's the same with this. And the second piece, and then I will let you guys hop in, is franchises are dynasties. Dynasties are developed over a period of time, and the time is not 16 games, right? It takes years, 
decades, in fact, it can do to generate it. Some of the greatest franchises in sports history were, were good. They were bad. They were indifferent. They came back, but they had a period of sustained success, which is why they became dynasties. That's what happens. But you know what? To be good, you've got to be Okay, and it's that simple. <laughs> so the Blackhawks and those that listen to this podcast know that I, before defecting to the Kraken, that was my team and it's still my wife's team, as I mentioned earlier. 2006, they drafted Jonathan Taves, third overall. 2007, they drafted Patrick Kane. I'd say it was a pretty good pick. Uh, in <laughs> First overall, okay. In that season, and I've, I've got the stats here, so I'm going to flick over to my other screen so that I can uh, show you the standing. Well, you can't show you, but I can talk you through the standings. The Chicago Blackhawks were 26th in a 30-team NHL. Their re- record was 31-42-9, and nine, uh, and they were crap. All right? They were crap. But they got the first overall. Patrick Kane joined, and you know what? Looking back now, after winning three Cups, and Taves and Kane, obviously there was a lot of people around them. I understand it takes more than just drafting. You've got to trade. You've got a good free agencies. But my point is, those two are that dynasty. So just because you're bad today doesn't mean that it's it's all done. So what I'm saying in summary is people need to let this play out. Because in 10 years' time, or 15 years' time, if Vegas have won no cups and Seattle have won five cups <laughs> I'm okay I'm, I'm I'm teasing but say they've won one cup okay in 15 years right people won't be looking back and saying yeah but their first 15 games man they were crap like no one's gonna care no one's gonna remember you know I'm not even I, I like you know we're not even gonna remember in a year's time so I just think there needs to be an element of perspective I get it's tough but the what the, what the beautiful thing is for me is that and I follow most of the the kind of groups on on Twitter that, that that put this stuff around before the games. Is the fans are still going? They're still having fun, as you were saying earlier, JP. They're still taking the pictures before they get in. Yes, it's quiet when you're five 0 down after the first period. Of course it is, but we were five two, and I could still hear the fans, you know, doing the whole "Let's go, cracker" thing. And I was thinking, my God, that's impressive that you still got some fight given that we are getting utterly spanked. <laughs> so I, that, that's my piece. I just think that I will analyze this team and I will happily sit here and say that there are people on that organization, Grubauer being one, but there's plenty of others who should be looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, I need to be better because Kraken aren't as bad as the team that we're seeing at the moment. I think we all know that, but they're not that good either. So there needs to be an element of realism around this and an element of how franchises are formed. That's my piece. Yeah. I think uh, Vegas completely shifted everyone's expectations toward an expansion team, especially in the NHL. Um, Just being such an anomaly now, this now Seattle is looked out, especially on Twitter, like a failure. But if you look back at every single expansion team, they were all just as bad and it's only been 16 games. So I think, like you said, patience is the biggest key here. Yeah. Trust in Ron, guys. Trust in Ron. Right. And what you were saying about those draft picks, Mm. Tampa Bay in 2008 drafted Steven Stamkos, 
in the top three picks in the in the draft in the next year, Victor Hedman. So, mm. I mean, that's how you, that's how you build on your entire franchise. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, so that's that's my piece. I've, I've said I've said my bit. I've done my rant. Um, but uh, I think in some ways too, I think there's that. I used to be a stage performer, been in the entertainment business a long time, and I can say it's not quite the same thing as sports, but there are some similarities. I can say that you're at your best when you can find a happy medium between you need to be kind of hyper-focused, but you also need to be kind of loose. And I had my best performances when I was kind of relaxed and loose enough to sort of feel confident, but, um, but also in good form, you know, in good practice, right? So that you're, you're sort of focused and your skills are kind of dialed in. I think that applies Mm. to sports. I think that applies to sports teams. And, um, in some ways I think it might be better that the Kraken have kind of fallen into a hole early because anything that can sort of take that pressure off a little bit, I think they're going to play better. You know what I mean? When, when it's no longer about like, you guys need to be great out of the gate, (laughs) When that maybe when that pressure is not there anymore, and, and they can yeah. just start kind of enjoying playing hockey, because I do think, and I'm not saying like, oh, they're going to go deep in the playoffs or anything. I do think they're better on paper than than what we're seeing right now. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, just even to even for them to win a few games, right? If they win a game or two, I think they'll 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 probably relax, and we'll probably see Seattle more where they should be, which is you know. Uh, kind of somewhere you know, middle of the packish, but, but like you said, at this point, it doesn't matter. Like if the goal isn't, if you can remove that goal, the goal isn't like, Oh, we got to sneak into the playoffs. Sometimes when you take that pressure off yourself, that's when you end up doing it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's mm-hmm. that weird sort of mojo that teams can find sometimes. And I just, you know, Seattle hasn't had a chance to find that yet. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's so early, like give them a minute. Right. And that's part of, I think part of, sports fandom is supporting your team no matter what and nobody wants to hear that from a vegas fan i get it but uh (laughs) but you know vegas fans are very impatient too and if they go on a little losing streak the fans here get they get super impatient and they're all ready to you know leave the team and i've always been a believer that like look if you're if you love a team you you support them through the bad times too and then and then when they win it feels so much better because you're like hey i've been diehard from day one, I stuck with these guys through thick and thin, you know, but, um, anyway, once again, as a, as a Vegas guy, we're super spoiled here. So people may be angry, just me speaking on the topic at all. I get that. But, uh, but yeah, I just think maybe in some ways it's good to get that monkey off the back, right? Like remove mm-hmm. that pressure and then they can just relax and play hockey, you know? Right. And that's, that could be how St. Louis felt when they made their run. Totally. They didn't have anything to lose, did they? Right. Mm-hmm. No. Dead last. What do you got to lose? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I just thought it was, it was just funny because we were talking about Twitter earlier and uh, it was, it, you know, come Saturday morning for me. But, uh, and I, you know, you guys and the guys that follow me on, on Twitter and follow the show, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the first to, to poke fun at them. That's why I've released that missing persons, uh, you know, picture <laughs> because I'll be the first person to criticize the team. I just think there's a difference between between that and you flick over Twitter and in your head you can just hear <laughs> because that's pretty much what everybody's saying. I mean, listen, guys, calm, 
calm down calm down it's, it's okay it's okay a little bit of um i see in the like the game against the avalanche too you hate to always blame it on puck luck and it's not all about puck luck by any means but there have been some pivotal moments too in kraken games where like they were down to nothing and there was a breakaway um i'm trying to remember which player it was but he bounced it off the post like breakaway all alone him you know barreling down on the goalie and bounced it off the post that goes in totally different game right he sinks that it's now 2-1 the kraken are in it um and i just feel like i've seen quite a few moments like that for the kraken where it's just like a post away so over time larger sample size puck luck tends to balance out and um you know, they may string together some wins here and there, which would be good for the fan base. It'd be good for the team. And at this point, it's not about getting to a playoff spot. It's just about let's get some systems going, right? Yeah. Let's get a win or two, you know, start there. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. Cool. Um, right. So we said that we were going to talk about the Vancouver Canucks, uh, uh, and we are. So as we're recording this, and obviously it's Sunday the 21st as we're recording this, the Vancouver Canucks, who play tonight against the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, I believe, um, are after 18 games, they are 6, 10, and 2. So that's a point percentage of 3, 8, 9. Uh, ironically, their home form and their away form is identical, and I don't think I've ever seen that before. So they're three, five, and one, both at home and away, which is which is intriguing. So here's a couple of stats for where they are in terms of the league, and then we'll hop into why they might be like this. Because this is a team that we talked about a lot in the preseason shows. After the moves that they made, they were you know they were aggressive. So um, you know it's, it's a team that we've had on on our mind. So power play at the moment they're at sixteen point nine percent which is 22nd in the league. Uh, they are 32nd in the league, um, which, yes, people, that means it's worse than Arizona. Uh, is their penalty kill at 60%. Uh, face-off win percentage, they are 10th at 51.9. And shots against per game, uh, which is why, Tyler, I knew that stat that you were talking about earlier to do with <laughs> the uh, Kraken. They're at 21st, allowing 32.1 shots on average uh, per game. And they've got two, obviously, overtime losses there. Um, We could go into a whole host of of, of stats around players and shot percentages and all that kind of stuff. But for me, we were talking around Vancouver preseason. They made moves for, you know, OELs, Oliver Ekman Larson. We saw them make bold moves to, to clear cap obviously doing trades with Arizona as well to, to free up the space to make some some large acquisitions. Uh, Garland as well is another one. So we said as a collective in the preseason that this was make or break, maybe a bit extreme, but it was they needed to repay back the moves that they've made. They, they, were, they were making moves like they were in win-now mode, so they needed to be in win-now mode. And... To date, that's not happened. Now, I don't know if it's too many trades or if it's an issue with the team gelling, and I'll let you guys answer this, but something's going wrong right now. Um, and although they won, obviously, the last game, so they 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 had a victory, I think it was Friday night, um, it's not the start they were expecting. And we're talking about teams 
looking worse in the results than they do on paper. I mean, this looks like a really strong side on paper, but we're just not seeing it. So if you're happy, Tyler, I'll, I'll start with yourself. And what's your thoughts in terms of Vancouver and their season so far? Um, I think they had a lot of moving pieces come in and it could be just taking time to gel and build chemistry. I think Thatcher Dimko has been their best player. Mm. I think he's had a really good start to the year, at least in the games I've watched. Um, But the big names are getting it done on the score sheet. I think it's a depth issue. And like I said, uh, just chemistry might not be there yet. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Any any thoughts from your side, JP, on, on the Canucks? Yeah, the Canucks have been one of the biggest surprises for me this season in terms of I just thought they were going to be right in there. I really thought I expected. Yeah. I mean, it's early, but I expected, um, you know, second, second in the division, third in the division. I I expected them to be right in that picture. I've been very surprised at how much they've under underperformed. Um, Mm. I mean, especially after the, the playoff performance in the bubble, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. they took Vegas to what seven games in the second round, I, I, and that was arguably a weaker team on paper. Um, but I don't know. I, I would like to take this moment to spitball a theory about hockey in Canada, <laughs> and I'm going to preface this by saying I love Canada, Canadians. I love you guys. I have traveled to Canada on many occasions. I love Canada. I love the culture. I love the people. You invented hockey. I love that. So I love Canada, but you guys are so hard on your teams. And I think it is my theory that, especially over the last 20 years or so, um, with this new generation of players, right? They're all millennials and like, it's a different culture. It's a different generation. And I don't think this generation of players responds as well to that high pressure kind of pressure cooker environment where a player's at the grocery store and people are like, you guys sucked last night, right? And that's <laughs> what you do in Canada. That's what you, I mean, you do that in America some too, but Canada is terrible about that. You guys are so hard on your hockey teams. And to be mm-hmm. honest, I think I have, um, it's my theory that that Canada is doing their teams a disservice by putting so much pressure on them and you can see it over and over and over and over again with every Canadian team for the last two decades right I mean teams just choke they can be built to the nines right look at Toronto last year like and it happens over and over and over again and that's kind of what I'm seeing here it's like Vancouver turns out a good performance and then uh you know the citizens of Vancouver are planning the Stanley Cup parade and anything short of that it's just like, fire the GM, fire the coach. I feel for those guys, you know? It's like when Max Pacioretty came to the Knights, you could tell. He was like, you know, captain of the of the Canadians, you know, for several years. He was done with that business. So that's just my philosophical rant, and I think that's a factor here with Vancouver. The pressure is just immense up there. And this, yeah, I mean, just like talk about impatient. And it's too bad Max isn't on today because um, – <laughs> You know, the the Montreal Canadiens are the worst in terms of their fan base. Like, wow, they're intense. And it's cool when they're winning. But if you're losing in Montreal, I would not want to play for that team. So I'm not saying Mm -hmm. it should be all touchy-feely. I get it. It's pro sports. But, I mean, 
we can see the trend, right? Canadian teams have just not, there haven't been a ton of deep playoff runs by Canadian teams in very recent memory. That's got to be a factor. The players are really good. It's not that they don't have awesome players up there. So I don't know. That's, you know, I always tend to lean to the philosophy rather than the stats. And that's just what I observe. And I love you, Canada. Please don't be offended by what I've said. I love you guys, but just go easy on your teams for God's sake. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. I, I like the fact that uh, the, it's the philosophical versus the stats, yeah, like yeah, the, the me versus you of the, of the <laughs> podcast. But, but I mean, you're right, and it's because I mean, obviously, it's been it's been a while that that we're going to completely switch off our entire Canadian fan base here. But and obviously, it's been a while since a Canadian team has won a Stanley Cup. I'm not going to be harsh enough to start talking around what year it was. Um, any Canadian listening already knows what year it was, um, and anybody who isn't doesn't really care. But it's it's been a long it's been a long time, um, and you know it's. But they they went. I think the problem with it, ignoring the. I know. I think you're right. I think that they they are hard on their teams. I think sports fans in general are hard on their teams, um, and the the bigger the team, the more nostalgia they have by default. The bigger the expectation that comes with it, and it's—I mean, you, we've, I've seen it in Chicago. Um, their expectation now is that they should win a Stanley Cup every year, mm-hmm. and if they don't, what the hell is going wrong? Because we should be like the word "rebuild" is is stricken from it's. You know, as you as you as you go through the turnstile at the United Center, you have to put your hand on something and say, "I'm not going to use the word rebuild within the walls of this building." Right? <laughs> right. You put your hand this on the It's not Bible. allowed. It's not allowed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's almost like they have to kind of whisper it or use a code name. But it and Vancouver have have they they've come so so I couldn't get any closer to be honest. But they've come so close to getting there, and then they've gone through some awful times. Um, you know, recently, not that long ago, uh, which is why they've got players like Elias Pedersen not to keep hammering home that whole point about sometimes you've got to be bad to get good. Um, but I, we're talking about expectation. Uh, expectation is the killer. That's the crux of my my issue here. People expect Vancouver to be good. And if you set a fan base up that that is dying for a Stanley Cup, you give them that nugget of hope that you're going to be there or thereabouts, and then you don't deliver. Oh my God, that's when you start seeing burning cars in the middle of streets, right? right? right. Because it's yeah, it, it must be because it's it's horrible to see it. Because as I said, on paper it doesn't look like them. If we go through some of the trades, you know, ignore the smaller ones that they acquired. Um, Players like uh, No Juleson and people like that, Spencer Martin, these are guys that are AHL guys. These guys don't matter, right? Um, but they acquired Oliver Ekman Larson, they acquired Connor Garland, they acquired Jason Dickinson. Like they acquired players that were supposed to be the final pieces in that puzzle. Cap wise, you know, they are stacked cap wise. So next year, they've got available cap space of $10 million dollars and let's be honest it ain't going anywhere else okay and within that they've got to re-sign halak or not as the case may be uh they've got to re-sign uh brock besser in that as well who's an rfa at the end of this year and we know how how the kids these days they they don't wait for their money they want eight million now and they want it for eight <laughs> years so it's it's it, it they, they can't afford to be to be crap and I'm personally, I'm just hoping that they don't 
pull the trigger on anything. Someone asked me the question, I think it might have been Max actually, um, who who must be loving it as a Canadian fan to see the see the Canucks in disarray. But the um he was on about whether or not they're gonna fire the coach or do they fire the GM. You know, so do they fire uh, I think it's Travis Green is the head coach or is it Jim Benning that goes and I, I think as we saw in Chicago it's gonna be Green before it's Benning, but because you know, I, I think it was pretty recently that extended Benning's contract. But like Vancouver are not going to sit there and do nothing if this doesn't improve quick. And if they win again tonight, they'll have won two on the bounce, and then suddenly everybody forgets the other fifteen games. But it's um, like I could see them doing a, a Montreal from last year and and getting rid of the coach and bringing somebody else in to see if that sparks something because. It just doesn't make any logical sense. Um, one of the questions I had for you guys is around Elias Pettersson because we just touched on him him then. Now, obviously, he is a massive talent. was drafted uh, fifth overall in 2017. Um, he's been given a brand new deal, so he's on 7.3 million uh, AAV for the next three years. But my concern is around his production. Um, so the year that he broke into the NHL, which was 2018, 2019, he scored 66 points on 71 games and uh, not to get too stats and analytical heavy JV, uh, but in 2019, 2020, he played 68 games and 66 points. So give or take, he's a point per game player, which is what you'd expect for him. Um, and he also scored 18 points in 17 games in the playoffs, which is the bubble year that you were talking about, um, JP when Vancouver looked like the final puzzle piece had gone in. He just needed that bit of luck. Last season, he was 26 games played um, through injury and 21 points. But this season, uh, 10 points. And the bigger concern for me with Pedersen is around his goal production because I feel like that has drastically dropped off. So his point production isn't too horrific it is give or take now a point every other game rather than a point per game which is would be concerning if I was a Vancouver Canucks fan but he scored three goals in 18 games and he is supposed to be a goal scorer he scored 28 goal, goal uh, 28 goals in 21 games if I can put my dentures in uh in the, in the first season 27 goals in 68 games in 2019-20 and then he drops and drops. So my biggest concern is the only trend that I can see around player production uh, is Pedersen. And I just don't think he's scoring enough. You know, three goals, and I, I don't know if any of those are empty netters, but three goals in 18 games for a man who is supposed to be the franchise player, it, I would be concerned. Yeah, I think, I think he struggled at even strength. He has... Two of his three goals on the power play, six of his ten points on the power play. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's taken the second most shots on the team, but he's only shooting at six percent. So Jesus. I think Ouch. he's either in a slump, just shooting, maybe getting unlucky. Maybe that's going to kind of correct itself as it, the season progresses. But seems like he's just not putting it in the net. I mean, it's just I think it's just as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um. 
It's interesting, and I love the statistics. By the way, when I always talk about philosophy, that's just my tendency. But the stats, <laughs> the stats matter, yeah. and and I, it's and the the stats are good indicators if you're trying to evaluate performance. Um, you know, I just I still come back to the psychology of it. You know, it's just um, a well timed some well timed negative feedback can be very effective, but there is an overabundance of negative feedback around the Canucks right now. And so more of it, um, like I'm looking at an article right here, like sometimes while we're talking, I'll do a quick search. And this is the title on this article. Is it time to push the panic button on Elias Pettersson? Right, and this is the kind of stuff that's being said in the Vancouver press up there. The guy, the guy's 23. I get it. They come up in junior hockey and you know they, they're used to pressure, right? They, they've been under pressure their entire lives playing this sport competitively. But, um, you know, you think about the psychology of it. It's like, you suck. You're not good enough. What is wrong with you? Now multiply that times 18,000 in the arena, breathing down on you every night. Multiply that times, you know, the, the millions of citizens of Vancouver and the national press, right? And I just think sometimes it just gets to be a little bit too much for these guys. Like it's a, you know, be careful what you wish for. People envy pro athletes, but can you imagine like, and I just, and then think about it. Like it's when you're trying to find that kind of loose balance where you're loose and you're feeling good, you feel confident, but you dialed in, you know, all you got to be doing is skating down the ice on a breakaway. And for one split second in your mind, you say, God, I hope I don't miss this. Right. That's it. That's it. And now you are not performing at your best. And th I think this is what happens to these guys, right? Okay, you got a breakaway. Oh, great. This is a chance for me to send the arena into a frenzy, you know, put our team up by a goal or whatever. And then in your mind, there's just that little doubt where you're just like, oh, God, I hope I don't miss it. Don't let me miss this. <laughs> right. And you could even tie the psychology of that with the statistics. And shooting 6%, he could be trying to force it in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's gripping his stick too tight. Right. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. Which is common. So it's hard though <laughs> in sports. How do you, how yeah. do you break that cycle? Right. He's just a super young kid just signing his bridge deal. I mean, it's a lot of pressure to be an expected superstar. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And, and <clears throat> look at some point, right. Pro athletes, they're paid large amounts of money. So they they got to figure that out. Like I get that. Like it's okay. This is what we pay you for. Mm. But, um, but for me, what I see it's, it's psychological, not just with Pedersen, but with the whole team, with the GM, with the coaches, like, whoo, man, I, yeah, I would not want to be on a Canadian hockey team, especially the Canucks when you're in a slump like this, when expectations are high, right? Like if the team's not if nobody's expecting a good team, you know, if it's not a good team, nobody's expecting a deep run. Maybe it's not quite so bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everybody expects a lot out of Vancouver right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the difference between them and, and Ottawa, right? right. The, the, yeah. You know, Pedersen in, in Ottawa doesn't have that same pressure because the expectation is, is, is different. You know, it's, it's not, it's lowered. It's obviously that they, they want to win as much as the next team does, but they understand that's not happening right now. So therefore, the kind of pressures off. Um, Tyler, like obviously you see the press in, in Tampa and, and around around the Lightning. They they struggled at the beginning of the season. I know we're going to cover Tampa on a different podcast, but in terms of the media, how did the media react to the, the poor start? Just I want to try and get some comparison around how that was to how 
like the article that JP was just saying around uh, the Vancouver Canucks? I think their recent history has definitely, I mean, it was the, the press was really supportive. Like, Hey, we just, we just lost five players, five key role players in the off season. Like it's going to take time for this team to kind of figure it out together. And I think the past two years have really helped that because after Tampa got swept against Columbus, it kind of, there was that pressure kind of like what we were saying with Vancouver the media is a lot more uh, easygoing than it was two years ago. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see that as a as a yeah. Comparison. I haven't I haven't seen one negative article. So, I mean, the two cups mm-hmm. for, certainly helps, right? But it, but it's <laughs> right. uh, it, you know not to understate that. But I I do think there is something to that. There you know there's something to like. If a Tampa Bay Lightning player is seen in public, it can almost guarantee that it's love from the fans. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And and, it's, and it was even before that, before they went on this uh this cup streak. Yeah. Yeah, and they've been and they've been awesome for quite a while, right? But uh, but yeah, even like after right and they had a rough remember the getting swept like a, a few seasons mm-hmm. ago, like first round. And no, yeah, it was it was still all love for the players. Yeah, it was nothing. It was nothing like what you mentioned in that article. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's like that in Vegas too. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, don't say that in a boastful way. It's just an observation. I've met a bunch of the players. I've seen the players in public. You know, they all kind of live out in this burb of Vegas, out in Summerlin. It's a very nice area, and you know, you see them out and about. You see them at their practice arena. Um, and it's, yeah, it's nothing but love. It's nothing but love. And that matters. Right. Now, given I think it matters a lot. Yeah. yeah. Now it's easy to send love when they're winning. Right. But I, right. but it's, it, I think that's a factor, you know, to come and just, I know we're kind of moving on from Vancouver, but, um, and where's that fine line, right? When do you say, okay, enough's enough. We, we deserve better. I get there is a time and a place for that kind of talk. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's a fine line. It's a real fine line. And, and I know yes. for a fact that there are places, a lot of places in Canada where players will be out in public and, you know, fans will drive by or walk by and be like, you guys suck. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> wake up, you know, like that's, that's no fun, you know, but, uh, I don't, I don't really know what the answer is. It's just an observation more than anything else, you know? Mm. No, and, the, and I want to finish on a positive, like I normally try and do with this. Um, and you mentioned it earlier, Tyler. Thatcher Demko has looked immense. Oh, um, his numbers his don't quite look as good as you would expect. I think his safe percentage is 906. Um, I, well, <laughs> Grubauer would take it at the moment, but it's it's not quite as good as um, as what you, like when you see him play and some of the games that I've I've watched of Vancouver um, and I've seen. I mean, like the the the, the cracking game is a, is a great example where Thatcher Demko. Um, you know, along with a few other things, but he won them that game. Like some of the some of the saves that he pulled off, I just thought, my God, this kid is is immense. And uh, I was listening to the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast, and they had this goalie uh, whisper or whatever they call him on talking about Demko and some of the uh, some of the more, I guess, technical aspects of his game. And I I, I just think they've got a really really immense talent there like this isn't a, a flash in the pan he'll have one good season he'll have a, a bad one and they've signed him up to a really good strong deal so um you know I, I 
I certainly of all the things we've talked about with Vancouver Canucks, I'm not sat here looking at teams saying, God, the GM's made some crap moves. I, I think they've made some good moves. I think they've they've been bold. They've been brass. Um, they gave up a lot to get OEL and to get Connor Garland, but no, you don't get something for nothing, do you? So, but that's a Demko for me. If we're going to finish on a positive, and I'll get your thoughts as well, guys. But he is he is seriously good, and they they are they they are lucky to have him because goalies win you cups. Demko plays well under pressure too. I mean, he he, does. he can handle the pressure, man. He steps up when the pressure's on. Right, and I think it being so early in the season, no one is writing them off. Um, I just think. Like uh, we've been talking about for a while, just a lot of pressure is building up and it could be good or it could be really bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like, you know, we're talking about a couple of puck luck and bounces. They sort their PK out. Statistically, they they don't look bad. You know, that's why when I did the research this show, I thought, God, you know, when you look at the stats, the fancy stats, my favorite fancy stats, they they don't look like a bad team. It's just they're just not getting the bounces and... You know, I don't want to press the panic button, but Pedersen is a part of that, and they he like they do need to get him firing because he's he is such a such an important player for them. So cool. Well, look, it's been great talking uh, Vancouver and hockey with you guys again. Uh, hopefully, we've uh, not turned off our entire Vancouver fan base in, in one episode, as they're currently saying. <laughs> God, these guys suck. So uh, <laughs> and throwing their iPods or you know, iPhones all over the place at show mates and talking about iPods. <laughs> so, grab your dentures, you remember right? ipod switches yeah yeah, yeah. so uh you know throw them around but um but yeah so look we uh that 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 wraps us up for this week um we appreciate obviously all the lessons i want to say thank you again to all the feedback that we're getting both on twitter um do check out our website uh, theoffensivezone.com. I got told, this is hilarious i got told by one of the people that listens to our podcast he, he said to me he said ian he was like you don't need to say www. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, everybody knows that. Like, it's the 21st century. Man. I was like, yeah, okay, fair enough, mate. Fine. It's fine. You know, Next, chill out. It's all right. Yeah. Next episode, you should say it and just say it really slow. Just, just be yeah. like, you need to go to www. <laughs> and it's on the internet. <laughs> wow. On the World Wide Web. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I did think that was so. I appreciate the feedback, even the feedback which I, I find quite comical. I, I do, I love it all. Um, so, yeah, so do check us out. Obviously, we're still taking the questions as well. So, we've got a, a mailbag feature, it's even easier to use than before, guys. It's, it's, it's simply three clicks, and then your question can be on the show. So, wow, doesn't sound that sounds enticing. So, you should, you should really get on that. Three clicks um, is all it takes. Three clicks, yeah. Uh, could be more i don't know i didn't count just three sounded good <laughs> so <laughs> but look it's uh yeah thanks again and until next week we will uh we will see you then so stay safe try and stay covid free uh and uh, if you are a kraken fan listening to this don't trade your jersey in just yet there is still hope um so and even if we are bad damn we look good doing it so uh, yeah <laughs> see you next week cheers guys bye bye <laughs>